How are you guys doing? Welcome. It is episode 50. I think it's 57. Yeah, we're on episode 57 of this cringeworthy podcast. Hope you guys are on a fantastic week. We are sitting here. What is it? Thursday? Yeah, it is Thursday. Yeah, we got Thursday. Oh my gosh. If you guys have not been over to the YouTube channel, please go do so. Just type and speak the truth. We have multiple different videos that are actually not going to be live on the podcast itself, like what you guys are listening through your ears. But if you guys are on YouTube, just, just wait. We have some really good videos that are going to be coming out for you guys that are pretty much just on that channel by itself. Sorry if I sound a little bit nasally today. I feel like I'm going to, I sound real nasally. Maybe it's just myself in my head, but my allergies are absolutely killing me today. Oh my God. I feel like, I feel like someone's sitting right here on my face. Just absolutely not like motorboating sitting, but like literally just blah. You know what I mean? Ain't no one like a blah. All right. Out the gate. The Senate has actually voted to repeal President Biden's backed federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate for private businesses. It sounds good, but it probably will lead to nothing. The final vote was 52 to 48 moderate uh, Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia and John Tester of Montana joined Republicans to vote in favor of the repeal. Even with Senate approval, the GOP-backed resolution is unlikely to overturn the mandate. Even with Senate approval, the GOP-backed resolution is unlikely to overturn the mandate, mainly because the Democrat-controlled House is not expected to take up the measure and President Biden would likely veto the bill if it cleared Congress. Like I said, it's not really going to do anything. The Biden administration's mandate actually requires private companies with more than 100 or excuse me, 100 or more employees to ensure their employees are vaccinated against COVID-19 to undergo regular testing. Firms that do not comply face steep fines. I don't believe in this. I don't believe it's a, a, a business's job to to check on its employees. That just creates like an awkward business environment, like work environment. Like if your boss comes up to you and be like, hey, you vaccinated? You got to make sure you're back. Like that's just... That's just kind of a weird environment. That's not really a, a, a private business's job to mandate that their employees. It's just not that that shouldn't be a thing. It really shouldn't. I mean, if you guys think about it, put yourself in the shoes of an individual that's working at a business, even if it's a small business, a hundred employees is still considered quote unquote, a small business. I think our business here at Guggen, we have over a hundred. I don't actually know what they're doing about the mandate. Honestly, I would assume knowing our CEO, he's probably not even doing a thing about it. I, I honestly have no idea. I don't know how we would actually, you know, that's a good question. I don't even know. I don't handle the day-to-day over there. I don't, I don't see anybody at our company being, you know what, have you got it? Have you, have you got it? I know at the beginning of Corona, I guess, going back in the office, some of the people did wear masks in there, but I know that they don't wear masks in the office. I, they, I, from what I know, every time I've been in there, there's like 40 people in the office and I've never once seen a person wearing a mask. So I don't know. But enough on that, because we know it didn't really actually do anything. It wasn't talked about anywhere but Fox. I don't, I don't know. I guess it was just to like get some people to be excited about nothing that's never going to happen. So, but this one's a kind of a big deal. The next one we're going to talk about, we talk about it all the time. Crime in America is absolutely insane right now. And, we, and, and, and I'm about to tell you guys, there's 12 major cities that actually hit all-time homicide records ever right now. And there's a few more on the list that are probably going to do it by the end of the year if they keep the same trajectory that they have currently. And this is terrible. This is like America is literally a bloodbath. Right? It's literally the bloodiest year in America when it comes to crime. You know how crazy that is? It's 2021. Think, think of all the technological advances we've had over the last 100 years, and we're still dealing with like the most barbaric thing, which is murder. It's, it's kind of crazy. I, to me, it is. It all has to do with leadership as well. Of the dozen cities that have already surpassed the, the grim milestone for killings, five top records that were set or tied just last year. All right. What happened last year? BLM riots and all this kind of stuff. It was kind of crazy. The whole Smollett thing that's going on with his trial. It, it, he's been 
pushing this whole, it's literally fake. I have no idea how, why he keeps pushing this thing and just, why does he just come out and say, yes, it was staged. It was staged. There's so much, so much evidence that it was staged, but BLM came out and they're supporting him either way. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm going to get the exact thing. This is how goofy BLM is, by the way. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. You, you have your right to, to protest and stuff, but just, this is goofy. So they literally go on to say this. In our commitment to abolition, we can never believe police, especially the Chicago Police Department, over Jesse Smollett, a black man who has been courageously present, visible, and vocal in the struggle for black freedom. You know how fucking asinine this guy's literally on stage. I'm going to say court is literally like stage. Literally in there, in the courtroom, lying. Uh, literally just keeps bringing, like lying about it the entire situation. This thing was all made up. There's so much evidence out there against this guy for, for, and he just can't come out and say, okay, we staged it. It was not a racist attack against a black man at 2 a.m. It was just me coordinating and paying people to do it to me. Like, you know how goofy that is? This is an organization that people actually follow, the BLM, which is fine. I don't give, I don't care. They can, they can, they can protest peacefully as long as they want, as long as they're not throwing trash cans through windows. Then that becomes a riot and, and burning. And like, this, this kind of stuff, how can, how can you come out and say that you, you, a black man who has been courageously present. Present? What has he courageously been doing? Lying? Goofy. Anyway, let's go back to what I was talking about. I had to bring that up if you guys didn't know. I read the article this morning about it, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about it because it was really long. It was like, oh, my God. No, I'm not, we're not even talking about it. Anyway, here we go. Back. Backtrack. Kind of funny how I said we're not going to talk about it, and then we end up talking about it. What do I have, Charles? ADD or ADHD? Which one? Or both? Mixture? Combined? Okay. All right. Philadelphia, a city roughly that has 1.5 million people, has had more homicides this year. It has had 521 as of December 6th. Then the nation's two largest cities combined. New York has had 443. LA, 352. Imagine living in a city that has literally more homicides than two of the largest, other largest cities in America combined. Safe. That's an increase of 13% from 2020, a year that nearly broke the 1990 record. <laughs> oh my God. Wild. I mean, we're talking, this has got to be one of the bloodiest times in America to live. And it shouldn't be. And it all stems from people hating cops, not trusting cops. And it all has to do with the media. I have, I have no idea how they got away with this for the entire year of last year. I guess coronavirus mixture with whatever, whatever you want to call them. But I, I mean, to me, they were actually just nothing more than riots. They started off as people's protests, but then they just turned into massive riots and looting, as we all know. But anyway, here's the cities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them off for you guys so you guys have an understanding. Portland, okay, is democratically led. So we got Portland, Indianapolis, which is actually Republican. Then you have Toledo, Democrat, Rochester, New York, Democrat, Philadelphia, Democrat, Louisville, Kentucky, Democrat, Baton Rouge, Democrat, Austin, Democrat, Lives in a, it's actually a Republican state, clearly. Albuquerque, Democrat. Tucson, Democrat. Or excuse me, Republican. So out of, out of all those 12, two, I guess you would say three actually would be red states, including Austin. But the, the thing is, I'm, I'm, Austin's, Austin's, Austin's a different one. A lot of people have actually, they may not realize this if you don't live in Texas, Austin is a new version of LA. Austin has given a lot of these tech companies huge tax incentives to actually move their businesses out of California into Texas. So they have, a lot of them have, and they brought those, those kind of people with them. So Austin is like a small, I don't want to say small because it's quite, quite a large city, but it's a city in Texas that is literally California. They don't even allow cops to show up to domestic disturbances or certain kind of things anymore. This is, that's, 
that's what's going on right now, which is kind of crazy. Look, they literally have hit their highest homicide ever since 1984. All these have the dates on there, which is kind of funny. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 2020, they hit their highest rate. They broke it again in 2021. And I'm looking at some of these right now. Indianapolis, 2020. Toledo, Ohio, 2020. St. Paul, 2020. Forgot that one. That one's Democrat as well. This is nuts. And the only reason why I put Democrat and Republican on there, mainly is because, for the most part, more left-leading areas are 100% going to be more soft on crime, and they let people out a lot faster. For instance, goofy as this is, the guy, the homeless man who literally lit the Fox News 50-foot tree on fire yesterday in New York was set free with no bail. Oh, literally just set free today. So he's back on the street again. Apparently, he actually tried to light another tree on fire the day, that same day and didn't, wasn't, wasn't successful. This is, this is kind of wild. Literally commit a crime, set them free. Chicago is the nation's third largest city and leads the nation with 739 homicides as of the end of November with up, up from 3% from 2020. That's actually from the Chicago Police Department's crime data. Chicago's the deadliest year remains in 1970 when there was 974 homicides. Philadelphia's homicide record was broken in the same week that Columbus and Indianapolis and Louisville eclipsed their records for slayings. Experts say there are a number of reasons for the possibly connected to jump in homicides, including strained law enforcement staffing, a pronounced decline in arrest, a continuing hardships from the pandemic. But that is that is nowhere clear what the answers is for this entire thing. I mean, I, I don't believe that. If we want to keep saying the pandemic is the reason for people going out and killing each other, that's really kind of weird. I don't believe it. It's hard for me to believe. People are going out and killing each other because they don't, they're, they're not being policed. Among the major cities that are on the brink of actually setting new homicide records are Milwaukee, which has 178, which is only 12 short of its record in 2020, and Minneapolis, which, is, which, is, which has 91 homicides, which is six shy of its record set in 95. So hopefully they don't really have any more people that are actually killed there. So according to the FBI's annual crime report that was released in September, the nation saw a 30% increase in murder in 2020, the largest single-year jump since the brew began um, recording crimes 60 years ago. Nobody's getting arrested anymore. People are getting picked up for a gun possession, and then they're just getting let out over and over again. The FBI data, crime data actually shows that the number of arrests nationwide plummeted 24% in 2020. 24% the amount of arrests that were made. For more than 10 million arrests made in 2019, the number of, of 2020 arrests was 7.63 million, the lowest in 25 years, according to FBI data, and is not available clearly for 2021 yet. I would assume a lot of those not having so much arrest in 2020 has to do with the fact that people were probably staying home for many months. A workforce survey actually in June that was released by Police Executive Research Forum has actually found that retirement rate in police departments nationwide jumped 45% in 2020 and 2021, and another 18% of officers actually resigned. The survey found a development which coincided with nationwide social justice protests and calls for defund law enforcement agencies. And that one's, that one's about as... Obvious as it gets. And then, of course, Oakland, if you guys live in California and Oakland, I mean, this is crazy as well. Oakland police have investigated at least 127 homicides in 2021, up from 102 in 2020. The Bay Area has actually hit its all-time high for homicides, is, is set at 175, so there's a chance they still can hit that, which would be terrible. But they have 676 officers right now. They have the smallest staff agency has ever had in 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 years and nearly 70 less than they had in 2020. Uh, the whole defund the police movement is clearly not working out too well. I mean, this is this seems like common sense. Common sense apparently is not common for all humans. I don't know why. this. It's, it's, it's something they cannot teach you in college. But when you get rid of police officers, when you, when you make them look like terrible people, 
Like they should be aligned with Hitler. Like that's literally what some of these organizations make them out to be in a sense. They, what, do you, what do you expect to happen? Especially in those big cities, like the ones that we named. I mean, some of these are kind of goofy. I cannot believe personally that Austin's actually that bad, but it, with, with what's happened over the last, that, that's one kind of things that you have to, you have to kind of put out there. It's one of those outside kind of conditions, like with the amount of people that have came into Austin from California that have allowed that. Austin is the perfect example of how you can take a normal kind of in the middle city that's either not really red or really blue, shove a bunch of people from California into it, and look what's happened. The highest homicide rate it's ever had because of the policies they try to put out. Perfect example. Well, this is going to be a major issue for, for them going into 2022 because they're not going to be able to say that they're tough on crime. They're not going to they, this is, it's going to be a terrible talking piece when 2021 ends and they're going to look back going into 2022 election and it's going to be towards the end of that year. And they're going to be, well, look what they did in 2021 because 2022 is, it, I mean, is it going to get any better? You can't really fix it that quick. They really dismantled police departments pretty quick. They really did. So. But you guys remember when I talked about that lady, uh, Norma Garcia Lopez, last week here in Texas when I was trying to explain to a lot of people, which I feel like I, I don't need to explain to a lot of people because I'm literally having a conversation with myself in this room. But you, you, white people are not the only ones that can be racist. It's, I mean, we've said this. This is, this, is not, this is another one of those common sense things. White person is not always just the one that can be racist. A black person can be racist towards other colors, the same as like Hispanics and Asians. And that's a thing. That's a, it's a real thing. It's not just white people that are racist. And when we were talking about this lady, she was giving out information and calling people white supremacists. And she was in charge, oddly enough, of the, uh, what was it called? The uh, racial equity committee of a school. Like the four was school. Like what in the world? How's a person that's, that's saying that kind of stuff? How is she in charge of that? Or she's on the board. Oh. So when she was a co-chair of the Fort Worth School Board Racial Equity Committee. So Ms. Nor Norma Garcia Lopez actually said that she was writing, well, she wrote this. I'm, I'm writing to inform the uh, Fort Worth Independent School District that it has become necessary for me to resign from my volunteer position with the district, including as a member of the co-chair of the Racial Equity Committee and as a member of Redistricting Committee. I don't exactly know what that means, but she, she left both of them, which is a good thing, I think. She says that every student in FWISD deserves equity and respect. That is my passion and reason for serving those communities. She continued, I cannot allow the vile and relentless attacks on me by white supremacists to distract from overshadowing the continued pursuit from or overshadow the continued pursuit of equity in Fort Worth ISD. The work is too vital. So if you guys didn't know from previous podcasts, she actually said some stuff like this. It's astounding that white privilege power from Tanglewood has versus a whole diverse community that cares for the well-being of others. She says these are their names. She actually went out and put the dispersed the names of the people that actually had. All they did was they put a lawsuit against the Fort Worth ISD for masking and other stuff, which parents can do. She then sent somebody. She actually, I didn't say didn't send, but she actually left somebody a voicemail. We're going to bleep this out, by the way. Fuck you, you stupid you with your white privilege, not caring about the well-being of others. Fuck you. And she said that my messages contain harsh language, no threats. That was a lady that was on the equity board over there in, in Fort Worth. So there you go. So thank God that's a win. That's a win in the department for actual, all taking out actual non-racist people from a board of a school. But all right, on to the next one. What do you think, Charles? Good thing, right? I think it's a good thing. Next up. Ukraine. Look at this. Man, a lot of stuff that's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks with Russia and Ukraine. And apparently Russia, well, when they talked to Biden yesterday, I don't know if he actually saw any type of, I don't, I don't know, any type of like 
oomph from from Biden because apparently he's actually bolstered his numbers on the troops uh, on the border again. He had roughly a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred twenty thousand of them sitting there. It's quite a bit. I'm telling you guys right now with the sanctions that Biden says he's going to put on them, I don't think it's going to have a. It's not going to be a factor to the decision between Putin Putin wanting to actually invade Ukraine or not. Personally, I kind of think he's going to. He, he's literally set up his positions to have a blitzkrieg movement through uh, Ukraine. Like I, I don't really see him not doing it, honestly. Ukrainian defense officials say Russia has increased troop numbers near the Ukrainian border to 120,000 people, including additional Army, Air Force, and Navy personnel. The Ukrainian Minister of Defense said that combat and other military equipment, such as tanks, armed vehicles, and missiles, remain near the border of Ukraine. Russia has also intensified its intelligence gathering on Ukraine. The report has actually added with the number of recon aircrafts flying over the Ukrainian border above the Black Sea uh, are tripling since the same period of last year. Biden on Wednesday ruled out sending U.S. troops to defend Ukraine in case of a military escalation. Though the United States will actually send small arms and ammunition to Ukraine defenses uh, this week as part of a $60 million security assistance package that was actually approved earlier this year. That's actually kind of neat, but I don't know how much it's going to do for them because they don't have the technology to actually fight against Russia. When you guys look at like Ukrainian military and Russian military, I think we've actually put like just over $2 billion towards Ukrainian military. I don't know if a lot of people know this. I think it's roughly that number. Um, since the beginning of their conflict with Russia. I just, I just, like I said, I just don't think, I don't know. I, I think Putin sees Biden as being weak. Uh, and, and I don't think he's just weak as like an individual, but weak. Well, I guess he might see him as weak individual for all I know. I mean, you got to think about it. Putin was KGB. You look at Biden, you're like, oh, what have you done? You've been an officer for 50 years. That's literally what he says. I mean, that's what I would say, I guess. Because he messed with, he, he messed with Obama. He didn't mess with Trump. Right when Biden gets off, he sees this whole weak thing that Biden's been doing, especially with the, the Afghanistan debacle. Oh, my God. That gave him like, oh, that gave him the most confidence. All right, you know what? I could probably get away with this. Not in, Nothing's going to happen. He's probably right. And we've already publicly said that we're not going to send the United States military to help Ukraine. We've already, I mean, you say it publicly, but what, what's going to deter Putin from not, okay, well, the United States isn't going to help them, so uh, we'll just get after it, boys. But anyway, the, the thing that's actually inside of the package well, the final elements of the $60 million security assistance package will actually arrive this week, the one I was talking about a second ago. It actually includes lethal elements such as Javelin anti-tank missiles, which are actually really cool, as well as non-lethal elements. I don't know, radios? I don't really know exactly what non-lethal elements would be, but I'm going to say communication devices. I don't know. Maybe computers? Don't know. Anyway, the security package is designed to bolster Ukraine's self-defense capability, especially in light of the buildup of Russian forces near the country's borders, which is kind of crazy. We spent all that time training up Afghanistan and Iraq. If we would have spent the same amount of time training up Ukrainian military, I bet you they would have been a bit better off than, say, when when Biden administration them just let the Afghan military literally just lay down their weapons. And then, I, I don't know. There's, there's an episode that's coming out. On the channel, I actually might put it as an exclusive for the podcast as well. Or a buddy of mine, uh, Matthew Tardio, he was actually in Special Forces. We, we were deployed together multiple times. We talk about this. We talk about Afghanistan, then we talk about Ukraine. He spent some. He actually speaks Russian. Um, he, he, he's, he spent some time in Ukraine in 2014 when, the, when everything pretty much kicked off. Or was it 2015? He spent time in 2015 after everything had kicked off. But this year alone, U.S. has actually delivered $450 million in security assistance to Ukraine since 2014, since Russia actually invaded, uh, U.S. has actually provided more than 2.5 billion in aid to Ukraine. So actually, I was close. I said over two billion dollars. So it's 2.5 billion dollars we've actually gave to Ukraine for assistance. Well, we'll let that one kind of play out because we know that one's gonna. 
That one, that one, who knows how that's going to play out. We'll give you a quick update on Omicron. I don't think a single person has died from it yet. Not that I could find. I, I really don't know. CNN is not talking about it, so that's, that's also a good sign. If there was a case of Omicron killing a lot of people, I'm sure CNN would be bolstering all of everything, but they're not. So Anyway, the pre- preliminary data actually indicates that hospitalizations in South Africa remain low, offering signs of hope despite the fact that the new variant is spreading rapidly through the African continent has, has actually surged cases by 93%. Of COVID-19 in general, actually served 93% in that country, or that continent, I guess. In the week ending on December 5th, South Africa recorded a 140% spike in COVID-19 cases, the highest of any region on the continent for that period. COVID-19 hospitalizations across South Africa between November 14th and December 4th show that the intensive care unit occupancy was only 6.3%, which the WHO has said is very low compared with the same period when country was facing the peak of its linked to the Delta variant in July. So there you go. There's some good information for y'all, whoever was worried about the new variant, which I don't know a lot of y'all were, but there you go. I did read something this morning that says we actually might need a fourth booster shot to stop from Omicron, which was kind of weird to me. I, I, I didn't understand that one, but that was on the Washington Post. I, I saw the headline, didn't even read it because I was like, ah, it's not, that's not real. That can't be real. What in the world? Anyway, data from the same two-week period from one South African health district actually most impacted with the new variant show that out of more than 1,200 hospitals emissions related to COVID-19, there were 98 patients receiving supplemental oxygen and only four on ventilators. Big thing to take from that, the new variant actually doesn't put you in the hospital for having breathing conditions or breathing problems, which we all know that's what Delta did. It literally traveled really fast and killed a bunch of people because they couldn't breathe. My buddy, I know this. He had a real big issue with it. He had to carry an oxygen tank for like two year, or two months, excuse me. So, And last but not least, I know this seems like a little bit of a shorter episode. Got a lot to do today. Lots to do. Lots to do. Biden, Kamala Harris. Numbers have came out, and I love reading numbers. We all love stats, right? And I want to say this right now. They're somewhat cringeworthy. So this is for his re-election. He's sitting at a 22% re-election for the amount of people that would actually support him. And Vice President Harris is sitting at 12. Holy, how in the world do you have a 12% approval rating for you to be reelected or for people to actually support you? That's the support for President Biden and VP Harris. That's in a uh, INITIPP poll. So that's exactly where it was taken from. I mean, that's kind of nuts. 22 and 12. Like imagine waking up every day knowing that only 12% of the people want you to be or actually support you being reelected. That's got to feel terrible. The only good news for Biden, the survey is actually added. There's no favorite that has actually emerged among the large field of potential challengers to run against Biden in 2024. That is actually not a good thing because if you only have 22%, yeah, 22% of the people saying inside of your, your party, it doesn't have to be your party, just people in general don't want to support you for reelection, but you don't have somebody that wants to come up and go run against you. How does that help you? They may help you like be on the ticket and run for reelection, but how does that help your party whatsoever? That's not a very good thing. And they can't really, what are they going to do, switch out the VPs? She's had one of the lowest, she actually does have the lowest approval rating of any vice president in history. How, what are you going to do, switch her out? That's not going to make them look good. Currently, Biden's approval rating is sitting at 41%. Congress is sitting at 22%. 41% approval rating for Biden right now. He's hurting in the polls right now due to its number of factors, as you guys do know. Those factors include nagging pandemic, soaring inflation, lingering doubts about Biden's foreign policy chops after the botched pullout from Kabul, and lingering legislation. Pandemic. I'm going to say this right now. I've said this before. I don't blame Biden for that. I don't, I don't know how you can blame a president for a, for a pandemic. Like that. I don't, I, you, I personally don't think it's something to blame somebody for. I mean, look at Australia for God, for God's sakes. They were worried about this new variant. 
their country has been shut down for God knows how long. Literally no one goes in and out of that place. And somehow it's there. So it's, I don't know. It's hard for me to say that. Support for President Donald Trump remains strong among those loyal to him so that that could also be a, uh, a, reflector, a reflection of the polling that shows Biden needs to rebound or it will be too late to get much done in the second half of this, of this tenure. So we already know this. I, I, I've said this multiple times. Biden is a one-term president. He's not a two-term president. That's why he's pushing these crazy agendas. He's a one-term president. He knows it mentally. Well, maybe not. He doesn't know it mentally, but he, well, God, I don't know what he knows mentally. But what I'm saying is he, he should. Anyway, someone inside of his circle knows that he's a one, one-term president. Anyway, it's all showing in the polls. The journal is actually adding that 63% of the voters said that the country has gone off of track, with 27% saying the nation was on the right course. 61% that said the economy was headed in the wrong direction. All right, there's your numbers right there on old Biden when it comes to his re-election polls, which shouldn't surprise him. Well, it shouldn't shock a lot of y'all. I mean, that shouldn't be super surprising with how this first year of his, his, his presidency's gone. I can't wait till he does like an update. I mean, it's going to be great. Can't wait to say all the good things he's done. Build back better is not building anything back currently. And Afghanistan, oh my God. I don't want to get into that. Anyway, hey, hope you guys have a fantastic week. I will see you guys tomorrow. We have another episode that's going to be coming out on the podcast. Might be doing an exclusive episode or two. I don't know. It's up to me. It's up to me, I guess. I'll figure it out. I do love you guys. I'm out of here. Bye.